You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. to grind the hardcore podcast i'm bob and i'm tom and patrick is out what is he doing is he gallivanting he's probably gallivanting a bit a little bit um I mean, he's enjoying not, he'd rather be home at this point you and know good yeah i know uh, he 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 speaks big talk. When he talked to us last time, he gave he put on a good show. Like, oh boy, I really wish I was there. Oh, I can't wait to get home now. He's like going and seeing all these sites. He's apparently staying at some resort. So um, that doesn't have good internet, apparently. Oh yeah, thank thanks for that, Pete. Not the worst possible internet, but some pretty bad. <laughs> ah, um, so anyways, uh, this is a uh, a kind of special episode. Um, because uh, Tom and I have been talking about it, and, and Pat too, but he's overseas. But it's it's like a weird time. Everybody is tripped out. Um, we certainly are tripped out in certain ways to certain extents. And uh, what we were thinking was, hey, let's let's do a little more recording this week, both because we have a little. Oh, I have a little extra time. Uh, Tom has a little time between dealing with crazy stuff that hopefully you health crisis and yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I want you to talk about that a little bit, sure. as much as you can. Yeah. But then, um, so we're gonna put out a little more content for everybody, um, and just do something that hopefully distracts people, gives people something else to think about and do when they are doing what we consider the responsible thing, which is the social distancing thing. Um, I think it's difficult. We're social people. We like to go out. We like to do things. But now's not the time for that when it puts you in contact with a lot of other people. Um, it's really crazy how different things are, even just in a series of days. The last time, Tom, the last time we recorded was Wednesday night. Right. And like a lot has changed in those 96 hours or so. <laughs> and that was when, so that was right after the NBA season had been canceled. Right, uh, Tom Hanks, all that. I think that was happening live yeah. as we recorded. So yeah, um, so yeah, uh, everybody stay safe. We're gonna do what we can. To- I mean, Tom Hanks thing seems like it was a month ago. I know, yo, literally the live thing that was coming up as we were chatting. So, uh, so, anyways, hey, we're gonna we're here. You're here. Hopefully, you're home with your family, whoever's in your close circle, and not spreading disease. Um, stay safe, stay healthy, and we're going to talk hardcore. Big shout outs to our four sponsors to Live Alive Records, Closed Casket Activities, Run for Cover Records, and Death Wish Inc. We're not doing a full ad read. Please go to their websites, enter the promo code. Extra grind. And Tom, what do you do with that? You're going to have to spell that out. Yes. Do that. <clears throat> support artists, buy, support record labels, go to the, their sites buy stuff. It's one of the things that I hope people are enjoying and getting a chance to catch up on. Um, you know, to get into that, how crazy 
is it that it feels like like Wednesday feels like a month ago? I almost can't remember earlier in that week. Like Monday, Monday people were like just glad hat handing and yeah. you know, even though this was on radar. Right. Yeah, it just and I mean, for everyone that's listening, we were recording this on Sunday afternoon, so it's really not even that long. Right. Not to let you behind the uh, the curtain. Yeah, no, that's that's actually good. This is a good reference point because who knows by the time we put this up, which might be as soon as not tomorrow, but maybe Wednesday, yeah. um, things might be radically different too. So um, this is an evolving situation, and <clears throat> um, we're going to talk about some stuff that's happened recently, really quick. Um, so for me, Tom Easton School, my son, who's in kindergarten, uh, they they announced that they're closed indefinitely. Wow! I have a feeling that's happening a lot of places. I heard New York City's not, but that's because they're trying to figure out how to, to get like sure that kids. Yeah, are so fucked up, man. Yeah, it's really crazy. And God, and like, yeah. hey, a lot of our healthcare providers aren't uh, have children, and if they have to take care of their children, they can't go to work, and that is you know catch 22 on us right i mean if this i mean not to get too political but if this doesn't show you things need to change this is i think this is the most like stark kind of example of like oh weird like none of this stuff is in place like if everyone had health care yeah we'll be able to get taken care of or like we'd have you know you know, yeah, like we, we we don't need to get too political, but like I'm exactly on the same page in that Tom literally like two hours ago I said the exact sentence like if this doesn't show that we need change in a very serious way like people say that the changes that are being talked about by some people are radical it's not radical no. to think that people shouldn't have to be worried about dying from this pandemic like. That, that we shouldn't be that we should have been prepared because this has been going on since November December yeah this in China is, you know by, in any mean by any means this isn't like this didn't come up two weeks ago you know right. but I mean it's it, you know it's scary that like kids have to choose to go to school so they can get like two meals like that's fucked that's you know awful. what I mean there's a lot of places that can close down because they're you know I mean and not to say that you live in like you know like like Beverly Hills or anything but like no. Your, the kids can stay home from Easton's class because it's like from, from the school, yeah, right, like, right, and and I think they're even. That's not you know the town I live in because Easton goes to school in the next town over. The town I live in, I think they're dealing with that in a more, more serious way in terms of meals, in terms of. So what I'm seeing also from different places is that schools are closing as schools, but are either one offering like, hey, we're closed. But if you need a meal, you can come here from 8.30 to 10 in the morning, from 12 to 2 in the afternoon, or from 4 to 5 in the evening to get lunch, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That's crazy, one. Two, and this is happening in other countries, but I'm willing to bet it's going to start happening in the States, likely in New York City, is that schools are closing as schools, but they're going to open as daycares to say, hey – if you need someone to watch your child, we're going to have services here available for that. And this is happening in Belgium, I'm told partially because they don't want children who've been, you know, exposed to other children, maybe your carriers, whatever, whatever to have to go to the next most logical babysitter while mom and dad are working, which is grandma and grandpa. Right. Right. And so fuck. And then I was reading something, they were thinking about turning the, um, SUNY, like State University of New York dorms, 
to uh, hospitals because there's not enough space. In Spain, what's his name? Uh, the, the soccer p- player. Um, <sighs> Whatever. Yeah, uh, one of the most popular soccer players. He owns a chain of hotels, and he's turning them into hotel, uh, into hospitals. Right, Which and he's part, yeah, and he's covering all the expenses. What? Right. I mean, that's but I mean, two things with that. Like, number one, like uh, China was able to build a new hospital in like ten days. Yeah. I, like, just listen to somebody. They're like, well, we can't do that here. Why the fuck not? I know exact you know, question. You know, exact right question. Why not? Like why? It's like it's like it's like a fait accompli. Like oh well, I mean, we could do that, you know. And then, you know, it's it, it's fucked up that when you look at like you know this will you know be up your alley. Like nineteen year old fucking Zion Williamson, yeah, yeah, is willing to be like, hey, all the vendors, the you know, all the ushers, everybody, everybody works you. the stadium. Yeah, yeah, I got gotcha. you. Like I'll take care of you for this month. This kids fucking yeah. old, not making a ton of money yet. Everyone well, he's he's is, making, yeah, right. I mean, he's making money. Let's be he's real. making money, but no, no, no. Like the big question, you're you're pointing out the exact right thing. He's making like ten mil on his contract because he's number one pick, but like that's pennies, pennies. The owner of the team is a multi billionaire. Right. Why aren't they footing the bill? Because other teams are. Bless up to to the sports teams who are, who are footing the bill. Bless up to the companies like Taco Bell. Who are saying, "Hey, all of our employees are going to get paid." Period. End of story. Um, yeah, like but, my buddy but, was out on tour, and this is like a rarity. So he went. He was out with the refused that refused tour. That ended. He hopped on a um, uh, a tour with like a very famous comedian. I don't know if he wants his information out there. Or whatever. Sure, sure, sure. Um, big, you know, playing like arenas and stuff in some parts in like the southwest of uh, the U.S. Whatever. Mm-hmm. So he was on the tour for like two days. Obviously, they had to call it because everything's going on. That dude ensured that literally everyone that worked on that entire tour got paid for the entire tour. That's awesome. It was like three weeks worth of dates that got canceled, but he knew sure that everyone that worked for him got their full three weeks pay, which I was like, it, it, that's, you can do that. If that's socialism, sign me the fuck up. There's uh, no reason 100%. why he couldn't, you know what I mean? Like to this dude who's like a famous fucking comedian, like, okay, what is it, damn? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he was, it's not a big deal. And you know what it is? What is it to him? It's being a decent human. So, so right. bless up to all the decent humans out there. Let's stay decent. Let's try to be good to each other. Um, let's, let's bring this closure home. And and on the other side of things, personally for me, Amanda's not traveling. Uh, she was supposed to be in Europe all week last week. Thankfully the conferences in Europe were pretty smart and decided to cancel. Um, yeah. Right. A little, a little early. So she yeah, didn't have to travel. Right, I know. <laughs> and we're not, and she's not traveling for the foreseeable future. So we're all good. What's going on for you? You've, you've been, cause I know this from, you know, the peel back the curtain, you've been working like crazy because your job kind of is a face to face. We have to meet with people job. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're not closed yet. Um, we keep getting like, so we're not like, so my, a lot of my job entails, well, not mine, like the people that work for me, like entails going to, Rikers Island to visit with clients and all that sort of stuff to make sure like that they're ready to kind of come back to the community and all sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, we, I kind of pulled the plug early on that just because I didn't want it, like my folks traveling, maybe contracting it and not knowing. Cause I mean, most of my are super young and then bringing it to some person who may be immunocompromised on the Island. And then it's a wrap. Yep. 
Um, the city didn't tell us to do that. I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. No one's going, you know, and I had to make that kind of call. Good. Uh, Thank you for doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's just like, you know, for everybody's sake, you know, and then, um, cause I mean, it's also people get, you know, kind of prone to hysteria and it's kind of like someone that he knows, knows somebody else that has it. So we want to quarantine this guy. I'm like, eh, we can't go like, it's gotta be some kind of, you know, um, and then, but so, and then we keep getting direction from like the courts. So I work in like, you know, with a lot of like the criminal court, Supreme court yes. in, the, in the, in all the boroughs, they're like trying to like limit the amount of people coming in out, out of there, but they can't actually close because, which makes sense. Yeah. If you're stuck on, you know, you get arrested for some bullshit yeah. and you're going to do three days on, you know, whatever. Now you're stuck for a fucking month. That's like, right. It, yeah. Yeah. The thing that's not stopping is people are still going to be arrested and still going to be put in jail. Right. It's like a constitutional question that you have to be able to see, you know, a judge, you have to see your attorney. So it's like, they can't shut down altogether. Right. So that's one of the few things that it's like, well, they can't go away. If there's other things that are like, that they can be postponed or like been, be done like remotely yeah like part of my job is like we do um like alternatives to incarceration so if you get arrested for something and the court parties are are all in agreement so like the ada the defense attorney and the judge think that treatment might benefit you better more than you spending fucking five years in prison we're the program that kind of makes sure that you go somewhere that you're in treatment all this sort of stuff and we report back to the courts mm-hmm. but usually the, the, the client has to show up at every court date and we have to show up with like update updates from all the different treatment providers to say like, so Bob is doing really well at program and he's not missed anything and he's complying with medication and he's this and that, and that you know, all this sort mm-hmm, of stuff. Mm-hmm. Now we're trying to, we're like the, the courts are wanting us to do that all remotely. Like, oh, wait, wow. how you like email me that memo. <laughs> like you don't have to come. And, like, go on record, <laughs> right. You know? Um, and it, so this, yeah, exactly that exact point which you made, which is that the courts have to stay open. They're still yeah. they're part of the function constitutionality. It puts services like yours in this weird nether world where it's you're partially required. You need to be available, but at the same time, when does that call get made? Where it's like, hey, we're going to temporarily suspend or limit or you know basically yeah. and that's tough that's going to be really tough because it's it's an important service that's being provided yeah i mean and we help people that are at risk so like the you know we i mean the majority of our clients are homeless yeah so like yeah. what you're gonna show up and like the, the doors are gonna be locked and be like sorry you know what i mean and like i'm a boy i could probably work from home 90 percent of the time uh-huh. but what kind of a leader would i be if i'm making no. people that are making you know half of what i make to go yep. and work like fuck that i'm going like i don't give a yeah. shit Yeah, no, I mean, that's the right thing to do for sure. For sure. Well, uh, stay safe. The city seems like it's on the verge of getting pretty wacky, um, but we'll see. I mean, like you said, it's uh, it's a wild time. Queens Um, still looks normal. Queens, people don't fuck around in Queens. (laughs) Good job. Go Queens. Just out fucking getting food, fucking just hang. What's the irony of the like this week for people not in the Northeast? us because i know there's actually been blizzards there's been all this wacky stuff weather-wise across the country and across the world obviously but it's been like spring yeah of course. and it's been like 65 70 it's like uh it's gonna have been first, done ice first nice yeah yeah couldn't yeah couldn't it, this been a, it's like first nice day of the year everybody's excited to be out this is like the best time to be in new york city and uh it's not oh, the time yeah. to be out and about <laughs> So, um, all right. So let's let's kind of start pivoting. Um, hardcore, 
hardcore. Uh, what's so one of the things that's interesting is how this is impacting hardcore. Um, we didn't really talk about it too much last week, maybe a little bit, but we're hitting the point where a lot of shows and tours have been canceled or are being canceled. Uh, one of the biggest shows that was set to happen this weekend was last night. It was Code Orange's record release show for the new record. Um, what is the new record called? Is it last okay. one? What's that? Yeah. Underneath. underneath. You're right. You're right. Underneath. Um, and the record release show, it was supposed to be Every Time I Die. Right. Uh, Bass Rec, Zao. Bass Rec, Zao, yeah. Machine Girl was on that too. True. And maybe one or two more. But uh, unfortunately, given the circumstances and you know, rightfully so, Code Orange canceled. First, first question for you, Tom. Yeah. Right move to cancel? 100%. I don't even know how much say they actually had. Quite honest with you, I don't. I don't know what went on in like Pittsburgh as far as like because I know in like Chicago they were like limiting like a veil showing. So they do like a thing in Chicago like it's three uh, March twelfth. So like three one two is the Chicago area code. Oh yeah, okay. They do like a fest, like you know. So like every time I die, I was playing the Metro and a veil was playing this place, and like the veil show got canceled. Whoa! It every time I die, show went on because. People were already so like the the mayor and the governor all this stuff convened like this like conference, yeah. Like people were inside for every time I die. So they're like, what's worse? Like if we tell everyone just to go home, this may end poorly. Or we just like get the show on the road. Let's go. And then they so every time I die played, a veil got canceled. Oh wow! Which I mean, people that like a veil are probably more in the danger zone in Adrian. Yeah. But so, so the same thing with Pittsburgh. I don't know if they had any kind of like anyone over, you know, any like the the you have the, yeah right. I mean, the, the venue they were playing was was pretty big. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. So yeah, we're starting to hit this point, and I'm not going to kind of really get into it, but I, I I know the impulse. I know that there's a lot of people like just the same reason we're doing this this podcast, and we're going to do some extra episodes um, and try to kind of give you something here is is people are looking for distractions. They're looking for things to do to kind of think about something else. Yo, the, the wrong, the only reason we're doing, if this podcast was a live show, we wouldn't be doing it. Right. Period. End of story. Uh, fortunately, it's something that people listen to by themselves in their house, in their car, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, I encourage everyone. And I'm somebody who booked a lot of shows and I was thinking about this uh, while I was, driving home today. I had to go to the supermarket that straight up looked like, you know, uh, the photos we used to see in, in elementary school. Tom, I'm sure you saw these two of like the bread lines in Soviet Russia. Yeah. Like the walking around the grocery store and everything's barren. That's what it looked like. It's like some Mad Max shit. Um, but I was thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, last, so last summer I, Booked those have heart shows in sure. Worcester, and they were big. Yeah, you and think? yeah, yeah. And, well, and they were do just just plain just just pure attendance numbers, right? You know, like two thousand five hundred, and then eight thousand something. You know, like those numbers still blow my mind. It's it's insane. It's really insane to think about. But but thinking about that, I'm like, what if those shows were in three weeks from now? Right, but also think about the second half art show. There was that giant um, lightning storm that was coming through, so you kind of had to. 
the deal and put on that show in less than favorable conditions. That's true. Yeah. And, and it was a fear because it was a safety issue. And, um, I mean, same idea. Yeah, no, it's true. So, so to give the backstory on that, let's, I don't think we've ever really talked about this. Um, the, the first show was indoors and this will, we'll tie this back to what we were talking about. It'll all make sense. Yes. We'll get there. So, uh, first show, first night was indoors, 2,500 tickets. It sold out in 30 seconds, uh, to enable that not happening again, we decided to do the second show outside, which opened up up to a ten to twelve thousand tickets, um, which we really didn't anticipate coming close to that. But we said, you know, if you get twenty five hundred in thirty seconds, five thousand is probably not out of the question. But regardless, it, you know, it's outside. When you do a show outside, well, good good thing about doing a show outside. You have, and especially it was in a big parking lot. We could have maneuvered fencing, do this, that, the other to close it in so that it wasn't like, oh, there's 4,000 people here, but they're spread out all over the place and it looks sparse. Um, There's things you can do. You can do that indoor at venues and and that happens at festivals, large and small across the country and all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, You move the the thing up so that the pictures look better, whatever. So you can do that. But it also enabled it to be wide open. The bad thing about doing any kind of live event outside is you have to worry about the weather. For the month leading up to the show, and even before that, <laughs> um, even the first time we talked about it, Pat Flynn and I were like, oh, well, what about what if it rains? Right. You know? And because part of the other side was that doing another show indoors, we probably could have like figured it out. It could have been a matinee inside, but again, the capacity is 2,500. It's not ideal. Um, Static X had a big show at the Palladium. Um, That had been correct. That had been booked and reserved months and months before. So we, we didn't have that option, but it was like, okay, if it rains, then we could push it to Sunday, which is stinks. Cause you know, people are, thinking they're going to go to the show on Saturday, thinking they're going to the show on Saturday, drive home. Was there any any talk about using a DCU down the street? Um, Only. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not trying to point out a spot. No, no. Only the day before. (laughs) The day, the day, Friday of the show, I was scouting out like, oh, I wonder if I could rent that covered parking garage. Um, I wonder if. I could, yeah, there's a parking garage that yeah, was a yeah. visible site, right? Um, and like, what's the situation at the DCU? Uh, which, again, it would have been insane and probably not worked and cost a lot, a lot of money, but sure. okay, we'll figure it out. Um, so, luckily, the rain was there, there was rain in the forecast, but it was like the the probability was all over the place. At first, right. it was like 100% on the Wednesday before. It was like 100% chance, but doesn't start till late evening. And we knew this was a, a matinee kind of deal. Right. And so, you know, we're, we're <laughs> the in, inside camp of this, everybody was tripped out, at least to a certain extent. Um, by Friday, it had dropped to like a 60% chance, and it was starting late. But then Saturday... The prediction was rain starting at one in the afternoon. Um, for Friday, it was Friday. For Saturday, it said rain starting at one in the afternoon. That's right. And so we're like, "Fuck! What do we do? 
wake up in the morning and it had pushed back a little bit. And it was like rain at a 30% chance at one, 40% at two, 60% at three, 100% at four, something like that. So, right, right. so you're stuck. So we're stuck and we're like, we can't, we can't cancel. It's day of, but what are we supposed to do? Are we going to have the bands play? Cause we also knew that we were letting anxious and one step closer play a few songs before everything started just to kind of help them out. And we knew that we couldn't rush to get bands on, even though that was part of what the venue wanted to do. Cause rightfully so, you know, like there's going to be a lot of people here. Let's get the bands on going right away. But we still wanted people to be in the, you know, we wanted people to be able to see all the bands. End of story. Um, and the line wrapped and wrapped and wrapped. So you got to let people get in and then then have bands start. So long story short, the rain holds off. Um, have Heart finishes their set. And I mean, Tom, how, how soon after their set finished? I mean, it felt like five minutes. I think it was literally like maybe 15, maybe. Yeah, because it, it, fe- it felt like... It felt like five minutes to me too. You know? yeah. <laughs> um, they finish. People start clearing out. Like <clears throat> when the first thunder, you know, the, the thunder strike, the clap, um, there were still hundreds of people at the merch tables. Uh, so we had to get up over the PA and be like, okay, everybody, rain and thunder and lightning is coming right now get out of here. This is a big open parking lot. Nothing says disaster like this, you know, <laughs> um, except for the fact that I'd say, you know, I'd say 85% of the people were out of there by then, but it was just amazing. The people who were left when that thunder struck, there was an audible, like, Oh, from everyone there. It was amazing. Right. Right. It was amazing. Yeah. And yeah. The, the skies are kind of like, Oh boy. Like, you know, this is gonna get. This is gonna be a photo finish. It looked like the world was going to end, as you know they were ending. It was It was. It was. It couldn't work out any better. Yeah, there's a lot of luck involved in that. Um, we kept a cool head. You have to kind of. You have to. You don't have a choice. If you're panicking, it's gonna be bad. Um, and and you know it was truly ominous. What Tom said is dead on. You could look at the sky and you saw the clouds coming in. Um, and rolling in and it was like, okay. Um, eventually people will probably get to see that in a video set at some point. So uh, it's really cool. All that is to say we were in a really tough spot because here's this giant show and what the fuck are we supposed to do? Right. We don't want to cancel it. We don't want to postpone it. Like, because like the whole thing was predicated on the fact that, okay, they're doing these, Four shows in the U.S., four shows in Europe, and that's it. There's going to be two shows in Worcester that weekend, two shows in L.A. the following weekend. Then they go to Europe two weeks later and do boom, 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 get everything done. And it was that. We couldn't like go, oh, okay, you know what? This show is postponed on Saturday. We'll do it next weekend. We had the option to do it on a Sunday. But still, you don't want to do that. But then you also have to factor in the safety of people. Right. 
so this is not a plea to anyone. I think there's people doing stuff. I know the guys in United Blood are still planning to continue with their fest, and I, I hope they, I hope it works out because I feel, I feel scared that, uh, I mean, they, they have to follow what the government says and what the local, you know, people say as far as capacity and what's allowed. I get worried that the fear of this by that point is going to disable people going. Um, and be a headache and a nightmare, but like canceling something like that sucks. It, it would be like a tremendous effort to try to go backwards and like, what are you going to do? Refund everyone? What are you going to do? Like that's, that's probably eight hours to sit in front of a computer, figuring out how to refund everybody. Uh, even just if it's clicking a button that says refund, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. So, um, what I am trying to say is that people be safe out there. Um, if you're planning to tour, relax, hold off for a minute. I was supposed to go out with the band Anxious um, for a weekend with Saves the Day. At the end of this month, that got canceled, obviously. Um, and it's just, it's better to be safe than sorry right now. We just don't have enough information. So I hope everyone's being safe out there. That said, Code Orange was supposed to do this record release show in Pittsburgh. We don't know if it was their choice to to do this or not. But what I think anyone in the sound of my voice, our voices, has to give them credit for is they didn't let that the show being shut down stop them. No. And quite honestly, I mean, do we want to get into like get into the shit? Let's get into the shit. This was probably better than playing that show. How so? The way I, I agree. <laughs> the stuff that they were able to pull off watching i mean i downloaded twitch to watch it mm-hmm. i am a an adult i do not let other people play video games and now you have a twitch account now i have a twitch account because of code orange so I that might it. come in handy by the end of this week dude we might be on nba 2k20 uh streaming so who knows that's true that's let's true. not rule it out yeah, fair fair and uh but just like they a lot of this stuff is like overlaying some of like the the video content that they had put out when they were releasing the singles like over the lives. I don't know how the fuck they did it either. It wasn't actually live. And this is me not talking shit. Cause I, I, my head can't figure out how they did this otherwise. Yeah. But like, so it's like that last video they came out with like the, the guy, like the, the glittery dude. Yeah. Like yep. As they're playing that song. It, dude, it was like, and I, I'm not really prone to hyperbole. Uh huh. Watching this. I was like, like I felt like, and this is gonna sound so stupid, but I, I, that's the vibe I got. I was like, oh, I'm watching history. Oh wow. I, I mean, like you're not like, the only person I've heard say that either, though. Like just the way it pulled off. Like they played it. Like, and I give them all the credit in the world because I feel like if that was me, I'd be fucking hamming it up because I know, like, well, no one's watching me here. Yep. So you half-ass it, or you're like, fucking like <laughs> or you go too far, right? Yeah. You're like, oh, this is stupid. There's no one listening. You know, like they played it as if there was fucking 1,400 people packed in that room. Fucking. Going nuts, right? Fucking Goldman gave an empty fucking, gave the entire empty venue the double fucking middle finger during one part. I was like, this is fucking amazing. They like bought into it. The visuals are amazing. Like the stage plot is fucking ridiculous. It's, I can't say enough. And I know like I've seen somebody, 12,000 people watched it. Right. Right. Yeah, I saw that number too. That's so twelve thousand people watched it. That's amazing. Right. right. I have a feeling there's gonna be a lot of rewatch value on that. 
It's on there. Yeah, it's up now. Like you can watch it anytime. And um, I saw a little bit. I saw the very beginning where Jamie said some cool stuff before they started their set. Um, I want to give them credit as a dude who's not necessarily like a fan. I would certainly say I'm not a fan, but I I think it's hard not to respect them as a band and as artists and doing what they're doing. Like I actually think that what they're doing in this phase of you know, and it sounds crass talking about a band who came from the underground as a like at this phase in their career, but like, yo, that's where they are at. This is yeah, a career yeah. for those folks. Yeah. Um, but they're doing stuff that's really truly creative. Uh, I think they're doing the video series is uh, very well done. Yeah. It's a it's a complete narrative. I think incorporating that into their live show is really smart and unique. I, I also think to be really honest um, and I'll, I'll pull up a question here. We got asked, but to be really honest, I think the way they did that live show, I don't think it's ever going to replace playing live and, and playing shows and people going to see them live. That's, it's just a different thing. Oh, However, yeah. I do think that between their, the videos they did for those singles and then this performance, they're doing something new in the video space with music. And I don't think anyone's done anything interesting or cool with videos and music for, for almost like 20 years. You yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I mean, quite honestly, like just watching this and sort of um, like it, it was perfect for them because I feel like their music, their vibe is kind of like futuristic to a point, very like cold and like yep. digital. You know what I mean? And this is like so like now like Dropkick Murphys are doing one on Tuesday. Uh, sure oh be, wow! I'm sure it'll be great. Yeah, not yeah. Be this. like this was their like watching this was like you're know, like I don't know Bob. Do you remember there was like a fake snuff movie that Nine Inch Nails put out? Do you remember yes, that? I do. I do remember that. Yeah, I remember seeing it as like a relatively young person and being like, "Holy fuck, this is real." Apparently it wasn't. This almost had that vibe. Wow. Kind of like, oh, this is like, this fits them perfectly. I mean, it was also the first time seeing Jamie as the front person. Which I, again, it, like to be honest, plays into this narrative well. Insane. It was perfect. He looks like like Pete Steele from the Hardcore Band. Um, I thought it was impressive. I thought it was an impressive transition. Um, Who's the so drummer? I have Why no idea. you're gonna be like oh shit that's like jay weinberg or something so i have a i have a like let's cards on the table of the new album stuff do you are you vibing on it purely music because we've we're we're both effusive in our praise of them creatively and what they're doing with their video and then this live performance musically how's the the stuff you've heard from the new album how is it hitting you um, I liked it. It's different. Yeah. Um, there's there's more Reba. Yep, which we which think is, is a strength. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, live, I think it comes across incredibly well. Okay. Um, just like literally everything you hear on that record, they somehow recreate it live, and then it's a hundred times heavier. Like so, every weird like glitch, all the shit, like yeah. it's on. Like the dude, I don't know his name. They call him Shade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Right, the guitar player. So he has like this full fucking like array of like digital things around him that he plays in. So it's like keyboards and 
sound, you know, all these different effect things, and he plays guitar back there. Like, oh, wow. He's playing know, guitar too back there. Yes, on certain songs, mostly the old stuff. So sometimes they play with three guitar players, but like, so he's able to, like, that's literally, he's most of the time he's on, like, the kind of effects stuff. And, like, it's nailed, like, it's, they must have spent so much time, even before this whole shit, like, getting that nailed to, like, it's perfect. There's, like, not a misstep the entire time. Yeah. I uh, I think they probably spend a lot. It's, like, here's the deal. I'm not behind there. I don't know any of these folks. It's pure speculation. I have a feeling they work very, very hard to oh, make, to make all of it seem super cohesive. Musically, uh, as a record, do you think you'll like this as much as I Am King or Forever, or do you think it's like you'll you'll be like, oh, it's cool, but maybe maybe it's not intended for you? Um, hmm, that's tough to say. Early, too early to say. Oh yeah, I mean, I was. It just only came out on Friday, so I've listened to it a couple of times. I'm like super familiar with those other ones, but like. It's really fun, good. And I think this is like I have a friend that's like, like almost exclusively black metal and like bands without vowels in their names, mm-hmm. and like he's on a group chat with um uh with Max Vic. Oh yeah, and he was like, "Gotta say, it, man, it's really fucking impressive." Like this is like he was like so effusive in the pra- his praise, and he like never really listened before. So I think like a lot of you know for any fucking you know hardcore kid that they may lose. Yeah, they might be three of those dudes that are three actually three metal dudes. Yeah, yeah. Of, of right. Right. So right. for me, I think it's I'll be very, very just blunt and f- yeah. straight up. I am King does nothing for me. Forever doesn't really do anything for me. I respect some of the things they've tried to do, but musically, I didn't like it. Um, and I, you know, I, I've sat with it a lot. This stuff, I, I think, is clearly their least hardcore. Um, sure. But it's also the material that that musically, I'm like, oh, this is the most interesting and cohesive, uh, and I appreciate it the most. I am so curious how people who love hardcore are going to receive it. I think there will be some some attrition, but I also think <clears throat> if people can accept that, hey, they're kind of growing into something different, um, and it's not hardcore and it's okay. You know, maybe we need to make that, those shirts. Like it's okay not to drink. It's, it's not hardcore and it's okay. Um, that, that there has to be an appreciation for how much blood, sweat and tears these dudes go through and put in to their craft, um, coming from a completely, uh, underground space because I want to say this too. I've been involved in projects that were completely 100% DIY. And had the people shit on them because it seemed too professional because we were just fucking good at it um, because we put in the extra effort to make a, something that we were proud of and that we thought looked great. And it was three dudes and one other hardcore kid we brought in to do a thing. And I think anyone who's knocking code orange should keep that in mind that I have a feeling almost everything you're seeing is from their brains, from their effort, from their work, and they deserve a lot of respect for that. So, yeah. So, yeah. So, so big shout out to them. Um, in that energy, go to uh, store.codeorangetoth.com. They have a bunch of stuff up there. Pick it up. I think that's cool. N- no discounts from Axe to Grind, but but yeah. go there and support them. Um, check out the yeah, new record. Spring tour got fucked because of this. <sighs> um, <clears throat> yo. 
the the coronavirus stuff, there's the bands who are getting hit. I don't think anyone is getting too sad about booking agents, but I got a couple of friends who are booking agents and some of them on smaller levels, some of them on much larger levels. Some of them are really fucked up right now because this is this, they, they aren't making any money for the next several months. And, uh, you know, just on the behind the scenes, pull back the curtain on some of that. They, they aren't making, they aren't, you know, filthy rich people from this. Some, some people are, (laughs) but the ones I know are not. And they're going to be struggling. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer. He can't refuse with family cannolis and spins mean everything. Now you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing the Godfather at chabacasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey there, I am Johnny Christ from Avenge Sevenfold, and I've got a podcast called Drinks with Johnny you're going to want to check out. I sit down with a bunch of different people from all different walks of life, from professional wrestlers to actors, comedians, fighters, musicians, everything in between. I'm just looking to make some friends and have a good time doing it. So if that sounds like something you're into, go check out Drinks With Johnny, streaming everywhere now. Bowie, Dylan, Marley, you've heard the names and maybe you've heard their songs, but what about the stories behind the records that made titans of music like these so universally loved and important? Join me, Josh Adam Myers, host of The 500, as each week I go through a different album from Rolling Stone Magazine's 500 Greatest Albums list from 2012 with an incredible lineup of comedians, actors, and musicians talking about how the music has impacted their lives. New episodes of The 500 come out every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. So so big shout out to everyone who's getting impacted by this. I, I think it's really sad. Um, let me see. I have one Patreon question about the Code Orange show. I think we dealt with most of it. But Anson asks, um, I just watched the Code Orange underneath release stream on Twitch. Uh, he's saying right after the stream ended, they had almost 90,000 viewers. I bet it's 90,000 views, people clicking in and out because I, the number I saw Tom uh, co-signed me with this was 12,000 people, right? That's about, yeah, that's what I had heard from a bunch of people. Yeah. Um, Anson asks, is this the start of something new in terms of streaming live shows? Seems like even if things were normal and there was no coronavirus reaching that many people, it's way better than 900 people. It's kind of unbelievable how big that number is. Um, yeah. I mean, also, I don't know, Bob would remember, but like, you used to be able to watch CB shows. That's true. <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're like fucking torturous sometimes. Yeah. Single but, like, camera from the back. Um, yeah. Right. Like, I, no, there was no, there was like, there was one, there was one camera on the side and one camera way back, like near kind of like where that, uh, where those the tables and chairs were. Yep. The, the seating yeah. section. Yeah. Right. Um, but like a couple of times, like I, I mean, it was super slow and everything, but they were, they were streaming all the way back then. True. Uh, yeah. I remember those. I forgot about those until you brought it up. I feel like chain used to do that too. Yep. They did. Yep. Totally. So, so that used to be a venue thing. Um, 
this is probably, I mean, starting maybe as ev- even as early as the like early 2000s. And it was like that weird, you can stream this, but it's literally choppy the entire time. And like, right. it's not that enjoyable. No, it was like watching it through the glitch, you know? Exactly. That's exactly what, and it was like very kind of like, it wasn't totally clear. And it, you know, like GB would be like, down. GB was one of the ones I watched from the CB feed. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think, um, you know what they should do if they were smart? And I don't know if this is feasible. But how you can't watch your home team's games. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You should be like, yo, we're playing fucking, you know, Irving Plaza tomorrow night. If you live outside... You know, New York City. 90 miles, yeah. Yeah. You can access it for a dollar or, or free or whatever. Oh, but like, see, you can't access it unless you have like some weird VPN thing. So, yo, I, uh, huh. When you tie in the dollar of you, I actually think that's a cool idea. Um, I would pay. Well, I agree. It's, it's actually, it's interesting. I'm not a huge video guy, um, but let me put in three pieces. Do I think this will be a thing? Maybe. Uh, I think there will be people who try, but we'll see how successful. I don't think people are as creative or uh, have the ingenuity that Code Orange did to make it not just like a cool, hey, we're playing, but to make it so dynamic and visually stimulating. Like if you told me they planned this for six months, I'd be like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, right, right, right. Like they, they, I can't believe they nailed it the way they did. I mean, yeah. I guess I sh- you should because they, they've been aesthetically really nailing things for a long time. But two, um, will would people? I, I love the idea of being like a, a radius clause, actually, like a fan. Like, hey, sorry if you're in the market, you go to the show or you don't, because I wouldn't want people to opt to watch it online over go to the show. Sorry, just the way it is. <laughs> But three, if you could, if you could actually create that as a revenue generator, uh, throw throw an extra fifty bucks in somebody's van. All right, now we're cooking. Like that's a cool thing. So um, I think there's some pretty smart people out there. Give this a whirl. Check it out. See if fifteen uh, percent. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. You got it. You got a vig on this one. So Anson, thank you for that question. Right. Um, if you think about it, like smaller bands that are on tour, right? fucking sanction is in you know playing chain reaction yep maybe some of their friends back home want to see how it's going 100 you drop a, a dollar you don't have to watch the whole fucking set nobody gives a shit you just you throw them a buck just to to like throw them a tip right there was some a friend of mine worked for like it was something along the lines of youtube uh-huh. but it wasn't youtube but it was like all these like weird influences and like people that like that you're like this person's famous like you wouldn't know why and like what do they do live like they rap and they tell jo- it's like fuck it you know whatever YouTube like influencers like all the people that Greg for um, but she worked for them and it was the same kind of thing like you could like tip them money I mean I guess they do that on other sites they do that well. Twitch does it but yeah like that hmm. like I I think about this now we're getting in some real future wave shit. Um, being able to watch, say there's a live stream of a festival and you could somehow make it so that like, Hey, while you're watching, uh, let's say cold world, just picking a name out of a hat while cold world is playing. If you tip the money goes directly to the band. Yeah. Kind of sick. 
kind of right. sick, like a right. cool thing. If he um, has to go to the venue or have goes to the promoter, or whatever. Yeah, even if there's a percentage yeah. cut, whatever, you know? Yeah. All right. Well, um, let's do one question so we can kind of fill this episode out. I really like this question we got from uh, Taylor. Uh, changing gears, but you know, hey, um, everybody, stay south, safe out there. Shout out to Code Orange. Shout out to live shows. They'll be back soon. Um, hi guys, longtime listener, second time writer. We've discussed Husker Du in the past. I recently made two lists. I thought you may appreciate top 25 death wish and top 25 bridge nine records. Wow. My cav- yeah. My caveat was that it couldn't be a record. They did vinyl only for every converge record. It had to be a full normal release. I picked death, Witch and bridge nine because I grew up in Rhode Island, going to Boston slash Worcester and Providence area shows in the very early two thousands. I went to my first hardcore show in 2000 as such a N hope con panic converge and all of those bands loomed very large for me. Yeah. <laughs> The fresh excitement I got for those two labels back then was utterly unique and special. True. It coincided with the advent of hardcore on the internet. I remember the original Deathwish website. I thought I had found gold. I also remember the Deathwish Bridge Nine Fest they put on at a short-lived Boston area club. I believe it was called The Pond in 2002. Yes, it was called The Pond. It featured AN, Sworn In, Panic, Striking Distance, a lot more. I will forever treasure the emotions and times of first getting in hardcore. There, there are feelings I still chase to this day. Anyway, list below. Hope they trigger some positive and meaningful thoughts of discussion. Keep up the good work. Taylor, thank you so much. Um, we'll go through these lists in a minute just to kind of start some conversation. What is your memory of that time frame of when Bridge Nine really started to cook and when Death Wish started to really get going? Um, that every good band came from Boston. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and we were just like, hey, we'll play too. Uh, <laughs> Like we don't, we're not terrible. Um, yeah, I think like I felt like Boston. I mean, and you read like the articles now about everything. You know what I mean? Because it's all kind of tied into like, hey, they sell Yankee suck shirts and all the stuff. You know, like, right, right. But there's something insane happening there. Um, I mean, con- you know, Converge had been doing insanity for ten years prior or whatever. Yep. Uh, but they but, just started. They really popped then too. You know, um, in I mean, a different Jane, way. Jane, Jane, Jane. Yes. And Jane Doe comes out on EVR, which is so interesting. But their presence, I, I think we will at some point do a real like, hey, let's get into it conversation about all this stuff. My biggest takeaway right now on this is the difference that a couple movers and shakers, really motivated people can make uh, not just on a local scene, but on a national level. Um Right. And some of those some of those records from both labels were so big that you don't rec- you don't realize the ones that didn't hit. Yeah, yeah. And this is no shot to any, you know what I mean? No. But like, no, because the, the records were so big, it was like, oh my god, they put that out! Holy shit! Right. That you're kind of like, you know, wh- whoever. I mean, there were Bridge Nine bands in 2003 that don't give fuck. About. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, like, like An being that big, or like you know, all these bands you know, kind of overshadowed. <laughs> and so you would think they, that both labels were, you know, bat a thousand. Yeah, no. And, and they certainly didn't, but a huge shout out to Jake and Trey and the whole team yeah. at Deathwish, but especially Jake and Trey for really getting it launched and like doing what they did. A big shout out to Chris Wren, uh, who was really motivated and 
almost solely on his back those first few years. He really that was all him, right? Yeah, and it was just a really refreshing time. So, all right, I'm going to go through these lists. I'll, I'll we'll just do them. It, it's not going to take too long, but um, I'll start with Bridge Nine, and then we'll do. Well, let's start with uh, let's start with Bridge Nine. Reverse order. Reverse order. Twenty five. Um, and he he didn't he did all time. So there's some in here that are later, but you can certainly see where this person's main interests were or when they were super getting into stuff. Uh, number twenty five. Strike anywhere. Iron Front. Haven't heard it. I have. I I, I have a soft spot in my heart for that. How is that record compared? Like, I know they're early albums. I mean, it's all, it's, it's similar. It just, I mean, it's not, it's not going to hit you as much as changes of sound. You know what I mean? Yeah, Whatever. Yeah. yeah. The first, okay. Slapshot digital warfare. He actually put a note in here. Slapshot rules. They play it out a lot locally on this LP and I think it's underrated. Um, have you ever heard it? Um, I mean, yeah, check it out. I'm, I was never that. You're not I a Slapshot too. Snapshot stuff. I didn't care. Yeah. Um. So I, for for an episode that's going to come later this week, I was checking out records that weren't the classic record for a classic band. Um, Digital Warfare will be put on my list to listen to because for me with Slapshot, if it's not Step on It or Back on the Map, it's, it's like a it, yeah, it's like a step down, and I'm like, oh, I'll be listening to it and be like, yeah, this is fine, like old time hardcore. There's some cool songs. Um. You know, there's some good songs on most Slapshot records, but I, I'm like, if I'm itching, I really want those classics. But they're um, so good that it's like, even their crap is pretty is better than most. Yes, yeah, and we'll have more conversations on that this week. R and R Fit for Abuse split EP. Fit for Abuse is a classic band to me. Um, I, I strongly encourage everybody to check them out. Uh, Cops and Robbers Execution Style EP. This band's kind of in the like street punk meets hardcore wave that if you really dig around, you find a bunch of this stuff from Western mass into Boston area, whether it's cops and robbers, whether it's the strikers, whether it's like last in line touched on that world a little bit, but kind of, or like in Boston in the late nineties into the early two thousands, but really in the late nineties, there was a huge kind of like oi street punk scene, ducky boys, um, and like into spiky punk and cops and robbers kind of came from that scene, but also played hardcore shows. Um, holding on question. What will you live for? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some I, people I know really ride for that and okay. never, did, never did anything for me. Yeah. Good riddance. Kill your idol split EP. Um, kill your house is always good. Yeah. Yeah. Death threat over my dead body split EP. I don't remember the material from either band. I wasn't a big Over My Dead Body fan. Um, I I love the first two Death Run, uh records. I ride hard for both. Um, but I, I, these are songs that I probably have watched them play a thousand times. Right. And, and that's from the Golden Age. That that was they B9 did a series of splits, and that was you know one of them. Um, this one's interesting. Number 18, Breathe In, From This Day On. He puts this as the most underrated LP on Bridge Nine. I mean, it definitely is because that was good. Um, this was sort of this, like, kind of, uh, they were a divisive band. Um, Taylor, I'm sorry to say this. I think that record sucks. But there are people who liked it. Kind of melodic. I haven't heard it in a long time, so I will revisit. But um, I believe they were from the Bay Area and didn't do a whole lot. Oh, okay. 
sworn in self-titled EP. Um, he, yes, <laughs> the English AN, but I adored it when it came out. English um, nightmare. Yes. English nightmare. Fuck. Why didn't they just call themselves that? Uh, I what? think this, this one, it was just too, too derivative, right? I mean, yeah, there was such a wave of bands who were picking either taking nods from the AN camp or just straight up ripping them off. When it came to sworn in, it was like, nah, guys, come on. Hide it a little more. Um, number 16, maybe my most overlooked record that, uh, that De- bridge nine did striking distance. The fuse is lit EP, the last striking distance EP. Um, great. Moshi fast, really good. Um, God, I think I'm striking. Strike, strike anywhere and striking distance really fucked up by coming out of the same <laughs> Yeah, yeah. The, and from the same general area, yeah. Yes, that record is quite good. All their stuff is good. Though. I feel like there's no disappointing striking distance. No, 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 no. I, I think it's just what's which, which your preference, honestly. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I think my, I think if I were to, well, maybe we'll do this at some point, but uh, my favorite of their material is the, maybe March to Your Grave LP, but the EP, we did the EP on the year 2000, uh, Listening Party, and that one song is so fucking good. Um, everyone listen to Striking Distance. Uh, number 15, this one feels easy. No warning, self-titled. This is the, uh, this is the CD that compiles the 7-inch that originally came out on a different label and their demo tracks. Uh, it's great. I feel like this might be, to me, it's top 10. Oh, oh yeah. I think it's top 10 for me too, but yo, I'm shocked. We're at 15. Let me, let me, I'm going to move a little quicker through these ceremony. Ronert park, really good record. Really big record. Didn't realize that was on bridge nine. Yep. I don't think of them as a bridge nine band as weird as that may sound. Even though I think they did, did they do, they did two albums on bridge nine. Oh my Um, God. Yeah. So, uh, crazy. Um, have heart songs to scream at the sun at 13. Have a feeling that's a lot of people's uh, in a lot of people's top three. Sure, Shark Attack, Blood in the Water EP, cool record. Yeah, good. Yeah, okay. um, the Hope Conspiracy File O three EP, great record. Where is that on your Hope Con? Like to me, and you should tell me. Uh, we we're gonna forgive Patrick for not being here to tell us that we sh- everyone should be listening to Endnote, um, but like to me, Hope Con, it's Cold Blue. Um, Code Blue and uh, and then the stuff around it is the the stuff that I think is the best. This is one of the first EPs, right? This is between Cold Blue and and Note. Okay, okay, good. It's, they do like a naked ray gun. Co- it's fucking great. Oh, okay, nice. Uh, number ten, Mental, get an oxygen tank. Yeah, I mean this is big to a lot of people. I yep, yeah, big for me. Um, this is their. This is the record where the vocals are really kind of echoey. Um, it's my least favorite of the three mental seven inches, but it's fucking still classic. These were the songs that live always went off so fucking hard. Um, number nine. This one's a little surprise for me. Paint it black amnesia EP. And he says, Taylor says band needs more love. Do they? <sighs> it's I tough. Really big. We don't really care for them. Correct. Though. You're right. You're right. Yeah. Like maybe, maybe extra grind needs to love them more, but we don't. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's cool. Like, that's fine. But like, I don't think they're like underrated. I mean, like, they play like Philly and sell it out and they play Asbury Park and sell it out. So like, they're doing all right. Yeah. They're doing fine. I would say, if anything, in the 
overrated, underrated, properly rated. Uh, shout out to Simmons podcast. Um, they're properly rated. There's people who love them. I don't think there's a ton of people who hate them. And I think there's a ton of people who are like, yeah, yeah, they're fine. I don't care. Um, but because he's such a fan and so far, like he's got a good list of stuff here. I'm going to listen to this and give it an honest, honest view. Um, yeah, he's got a good like overview of everything. Yeah. Yeah. Like he's hitting a lot of my sweet spots here. Um, number eight, have heart, the things we carry. I mean, it, I mean, I yeah. Um, shows how much Bridge Nine's put out that he has it at number eight. Biggest um, Bridge Nine American? Um, let's see. Let's let's parse that. Most highest selling, maybe. No, probably not. I bet there's something that sold more that we wouldn't even put together. Like like we got to remember there was times when Bridge Nine put out like a newfound glory EP in the times where people would still like buy CDs at Best Buy. You know, so and he and the records at the top of this list uh, did pretty good, too. So, uh, yep, this these we might have a few contenders. So let's revisit that question. Carry on a life less plagued. uh, Amazing. Classic of the era. Not not my not my bag. But when I re-listened to it recently, um, I had more appreciation for it, for sure. Uh, Number six, this might be in the running for. Biggest seller, yeah. Terror, lowest of the low. Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. That's a pretty big one. That's a pretty big one. But did they sell big more than half hard? Everyone liked half hard. I know, mate. But but think about how. Yeah, yeah. We might actually have to do some research on this. Um, Ceremony, scared people. EP favorite material. Uh, It's pretty good. Um, It's not my favorite era of ceremony. Where does this lie? It is. I think it's their first record on bridge nine. It's uh, before the still nothing moves you LP. Yes. It's a while before Warner park. It's like coming off the uh, violence, violence LP. I believe somebody, if I'm wrong, correct me. Is it still that, that vibe? Like that kind of transitioning. Fast? Yeah. It's transitioning. It's getting a little more like, 80s. It will like a little more eighties U S punk. Like, you know how by like violence, violence has that like, modern blast beady like frenetic energy and by um by ronert park they sound like a bay area punk band um they're they're starting to lean that way but it's still very uh aggressive like you're still getting some blasts i think um number four no warning ill blood (sighs) i mean you can't go wrong yeah top three for me no question uh, number three, and this shows this person's location, Panic, Dying For It. I don't think we've ever talked about Panic. I actually really like this record. Um, I think it's also an acolyte of American Nightmare Hunger. It, even though they're, they're, he, they're probably older and kind of whatever, but like I feel like this was their, like, we're not... This is Gibby not being a street punk anymore. Right. I, I think you nailed exactly... I, this. This is closer to sworn in than 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 i want to be then it maybe it's fair for me to say uh in my head it's it's totally an an acolyte um fun fact panic was a uh, uh the band stop and think and panic essentially um broke off from same group of people were doing a band 
and a couple of them wanted to go one way and a couple of them wanted to go the other. So half went and did stop and think. The other half went and did panic. Wow. Okay. Pretty funny. All right. In the top two, um, number two, American Nightmare, The Sun Isn't Getting Any Brighter. And number one, American Nightmare, self-titled. Hey, yeah. And that's the other one is like, had, if we compile all the ways those AN records were sold, because the AN self-titled EP came out as a CD EP and on vinyl, and then Sun Isn't Getting Any Brighter came out as a seven inch, you know, and then right. as a, and also as a mini CD. That's right. That's right. Because that and the Panic records were had the little, yeah, the, the like little like, uh, and I don't know if it's technically a mini CD, but it looked like a mini CD. Um, and those sold, and then they did the Year One collection, and then they did another version of that. Right. So the there's best. been a lot of versions of that record. So that might be there. And like, again, I don't think you ever hear it on this show, but it can't be understated how big American Nightmare was. Um, oh yeah! In two thousand, two thousand one, and two thousand two, it was you couldn't escape it. In my experience in hardcore, there were very few bands that had that level of energy around them. Full stop. Yeah, totally. We go. Remember, like you know, I mean, me and you, like I mean, we both fuck with No Warning Heavy. Yes, they had a fucking vibe around them. Mm-hmm. It was nothing like American Nightmare. No, no. Like no. I don't think very few bands that I can think of in the twenty. Oh, wherever the fuck, almost 30 years ago in hardcore shows yeah. that I was, when they came out, I was like, Oh, Oh, oh shit. Okay. This is like a different thing. Yeah. I, I mean, we just insanity. Yes. Uh, you know, like half style probably be a, a comparable. I mean, here's the thing. I think like I would put turnstile, I would put trapped under ice. I would put have heart in this step where it was like, Yo, these were bands who were around and built up and built up and then exploded and like popped. I think Turnstile like, never had a shit show. Like right. Half Heart probably terrible. Like they I had some so bad much. tours for sure. You know, but, like, I think from the rip, Turnstile was like people were all about them. I think but, so you know, too, but I think there were times where like beyond. I think you know, like we forget that Nonstop Feeling doesn't come out till like 2013 or 14, something like that. But um, that demo. Demo was big. They were doing well, but like they were still like they would do shows where it was like hundred people. You know what I mean? They would still play like the VFW hall. And it's not to say that AN didn't do that. They did. But what what they did that was so different is that they did so much in their first six months of being a band, basically, that by the time their seven inch came out, and again, they still did like they were playing like small VFW tours right when their seven inch came out. But they were owning it in such a way that like six months after that, they not just were like a thing everyone liked, but they had a vibe. They had like the fact that everyone like that aesthetically people were drawn to the look, but also aesthetically as a band, people were drawn to the look. You know, like I don't know that we talk about that enough is that everyone like glommed on to the sound and look in a way that like, even if you didn't like AN, well, the big local band from your town did and they're stealing their sound. So kind of you like AN. Right. Like, guess what? Like all of a sudden everyone has fucking Oasis haircuts. Yes. <laughs> I mean, fucking diesel jeans because of Wes. Yeah, I mean, that dude had a, it was, you know, was like iconic, even as like as stupid as it sounds in hardcore as like Fashion icon, you know. Yo, and and the the part that I'd love to talk to the dude about, I think it was probably like twenty (laughs) two. 
you know? Right. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm a fan. I'm enough of a fan that I know the lyrics. He was born in 79. That's so right. 2002, he was 21 years old. Or 22 years old. All right, so uh, we'll, we'll go through the Death Wish list, too. Um, we won't take too long with this. Um, 25, Cold Cave, Oceans with No End. Cool record. And I think they've done a couple Cold Cave records, and that's sort of fucked up because, like, Cold Cave's a fucking huge band. Uh, Rise and Fall, Our Circle is Vicious. Love, love Rise and Fall. Okay. Deaf Heaven Sunbather, quietly one of the biggest records of the past 10 years. Uh, 22, Hope Conspiracy's Suicide File Split EP. Uh, great split, and I think exposed people on both sides of the fan line to the other. You know what I mean? Which is weird to say because clearly there's a shared guitar player there. You know? Um, Horror Show, Our Design. I dig it. Pre-nothing. All right. Um, yep. Number 20. Yep. One of the Acolytes. Um, 20, Blacklisted Were Unstoppable. The early Blacklisted recordings all compiled. Awesome. Yes. That would be higher for me, but yes. That's yeah, like in the top five for me for sure. Um, Nineteen, some girls, the rains EP. Uh, this one doesn't totally do it for me. I remember being totally curious about the sound, but for some people, some people went from a n to this and were like, "Yo, this is better." Yeah, that's, that's just crazy talk, but it's very good. Crazy talk to me, but yeah, yo, this is threading the line kind of into that more screamo y type scene. So all right, you know. Um, and by screamo, I should I should clarify, not screamo the genre, but like screechy, noisy, uh, strained kind of vibe. Right, more like thirty three one G kind of sound. Yes, exactly. Thank you. Uh, Eighteen hope conspiracy. Death knows your name. Where do you stand on this record? Um, this is where they get a little bit more like rock and roll, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm dealing. Work shit as we talk. Um, no worries. Uh, it's good. My whole thing is like people when they're, every, you know, and I, I mean, I'd be happy to see Hope Conspiracy again, but like when this record came out, like, and I love all those dudes personally. Yeah, yeah. And but this is where they fell off. This is where you were seeing them at like the basement at like Knitting Factory in front of 50 kids. Right. Right, the energy, the energy changes. Yeah, you know what I mean? And I think that people that want them to play Sound and Fury are hoping for fucking Cold Blue. As much as I like to say everyone loves Death Knows Your Name, if they came out and did a set of Death Knows Your Name songs, people would be super pissed. I also think live setting, those earlier records just hit better in a live setting. Yeah, you know? this so, really, really good. But yeah. this is a different type of band. This is when they became, they were no longer the Hope Conspiracy, they were Hope Con. That's right. Okay. There, that, I think that puts it well. Uh, number 17, Lifelong Tragedy, Runaways. For some people, this is a f- easy top five record. Uh, never got into this band. Did very, very well in California in the mid-2000s. What was, what was the band? I'm sorry. No, no, no. No problem. Lifelong Tragedy. Yeah, I, know, I, I only know the name. Yeah. Uh, Bitter End, Guilty as Charged. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Sleeper hit from 2015. Everybody who likes New York hardcore should know this record. Um, 15. Cold World, dedicated to babies who came feet first. Um, 
This is their first LP on Deathwish. Yeah, it's good. I, I am. Like- I uh, I love this record, um, and I think. You know, I, I think Cold World is a shower. Is a no? They're a grower, not a shower band. Um, <laughs> I think it grows on you the more you listen to their records, and I think this is a great. This is like a huge compliment to them. The more you listen to the records, the more you find it is an earworm. The more you hear in the record, there's more references. It's a, it's fucking great. Uh, I might even say I think my favorite and there's some nostalgia to it is Ice Girls. That might be the record that I say this is the record you should hear first. But Dedicated might be their best record to me. Okay. Number fourteen, Cursed, one. I've yeah, never yeah, really ju- jumped into the cursed bucket. If I'm going to be honest, like the fact that they were so loved and such a t-shirt band hurt them to me, which is weird from somebody who loves bold. Um, but it, uh, <laughs> it just was an odd time and they had a moment where people were obsessed with them. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, Pulling Teeth, Paranoid Delusions, Paradise Illusions. I think there's a cool record. Um, kind of dirty, gnarly, secretly kind of, and I mean, not so secretly, but if you like anything in the A389 world, I think they kicked it off this weird blend of dirty punk with some metal roots, but but leaning into the punk and hardcore scene. Shout out to Pulling Teeth for pulling that off. Uh, number 12, Doom Riders, Darkness Comes Alive. This is cool. I mean, I think Nate's got a great voice. Yeah. Uh, but I, like, I, I, this is like, to me, like prototypical tattooer, door yeah. guy. So. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is the record I would tell people to check out for Doom Riders, though. This is the one. Yo, like, this yeah. is their record. Black Thunder or something. It's fucking great. Yeah. But- you're this right. Is a, this, is, yeah. this is bouncer core. Uh, number 11, trap them seizures and barren praise. Um, I really, you know what? A buddy of mine. Sorry. I'm so I know you're dealing. No worries. Um, so I'm not totally fucking here. Um, a buddy of mine played for this band at this point. Um, I really, really loved the death wish stuff. Yes. Um, I thought, um, well, he was in it. They were sort of underrated. Yes. I think they were doing the whole entombed core thing pretty early on. Yes, that's for sure. Doing it really, really, really well and sort of um, kind of being overlooked. They they sort of took off after a while, but many a time I would see them in Brooklyn to thirty five people. But I think that's true. Fucking great, fucking great band. Yeah, you know what's funny? Um, I didn't. I'm going to go back and listen to some of the. the this is the the only album that was truly on no there's seance primes and ep i guess um this is the only record that's on death wish but i associate this band with death wish because of that record um that's a that's a big compliment to death wish actually i uh i like their last record crown feral which is on prosthetic where i'm looking at it up right now if you go to trap them's wiki wikipedia it refers to them as an american hardcore punk band uh, so i'm like okay yeah but then on the album it refers to them as a grindcore band and i don't i don't think i would call them a grindcore band <laughs> no so all right come on step up your game wikipedia uh number 10 bitter end climate of fear 
amazing. Everyone is listening to it this week because of the climate of fear that we are currently. Oh fuck yeah, yo, get some spins on that record. Good Dude, record. Every, every other story is somebody listening to uh, <laughs> climate so. of fear. Um, okay, get those residuals. Yeah, do it. Uh, number nine, Ludax, Black Eyed Blues. Um, um, uh, sure. Live fun band to watch. Record never did it for me. Um, it was wild and like throwing himself through tables and shit. Absolutely, yeah. Like uh, would do well at the suburban fight wrestling events. Um, number right, party right. action. <laughs> number eight, converge unloved and weeded out. Is that the collection of all the old stuff? Yes. Okay. Not the best, but um, I respect them for compiling it and having it somewhere because they're clearly embarrassed by it. <laughs> number seven rise and fall into oblivion this is my favorite rise and fall record uh most likely just because it's when i met those guys and i i this record i listened to a lot a lot when it came out um number six hope conspiracy true nihilist ep same i think this yeah. is comparable to the uh file three no death knows your name oh, kind of. oh yeah. you're right okay um this I believe. Yeah. Number five, Touche Amore is survived by. Huh. So it's interesting. Let's go ahead. This is the second Touche record. I think this might be their best, isn't it? Um, this is the blue cover one. Yeah. I think there are people. Yes. This this record, I believe yeah, pe- people loved. Yeah. I think the parting the sea between brightness and me. Is that it? I always call it Parting the Sea. Yeah, Parting the Sea, right? Um, Parting the Sea is the one I think. I mean, whatever the the two, the beat of the dead horse. I think these were, yeah. That's that's one of the milestone records. And like, I was thinking of this when I was listening to that band, Slow Fire Pistol, because a lot of bands get derided as screamo or blah blah blah. I think when you listen to the more modern versions of these things, yeah, you know, they're quietly. They're a lot more hardcore than anyone yeah. wants to admit. Like just straight up, it's it's not that far off. If you listen to Touche and you don't think it's hardcore, okay, you might have a more narrow view than than I do, um, which is saying something. Number four, Shipwreck Abyss. This is their LP. This is their crowning achievement. I agree. What's funny is I think that some of these songs were harder for people to get into because this was it's kind of a concept record. I think it's really cool. It's a it's a great sit and listen, full album listen. And yo, we all got time on our hands. This is the time to do it. Um, and here we go to the top three. I don't think these will be too much of a surprise, but uh, number three, Blacklisted, Heavier Than Heaven, Lonelier Than God. Yeah, that's my Yeah, that's, that's my, my favorite. favorite. Yep. Number two, Modern Life is War, Witness. Yeah, you can't really, this is. That's, that's, that's one of the defining yeah. ones. The LP before this too, but I think this is their fucking high watermark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and number one, uh, this is a little bit of a t- twist, but I, I, I agree. He calls this the pinnacle of blacklisted songs. It's blacklisted, peace on earth, war on stage. EP. This is the EP that came out right before Heavy yeah. Heaven. Uh, when- yeah, I mean it's weird. It's like an EP, so it's like I don't know if that's unless unless all you have are EPs. Yeah. I think it's hard to call an EP your pinnacle. I know, and and here's where we have Patrick. Yeah, Let's have yeah. Patrick chime in and be like, oh, no, that's wrong. No, LPs are terrible. Um, Peace on Earth, War on Stage, I want to give it big credit because they had broken up and then had rethought it. And we're like, fuck it. Let's keep this band going. 
and I think it's their most honest record and most them record to point. Uh, I think this is also the point where George's lyrics before this are really good, but a little more straightforward. And this is him, I think, kind of like putting all the cards on the table and be like, fuck it. I'm going to write the lyrics I want to write. And uh, I think it, it it starts here and then continues from here out. And it's one of the things that separates Blacklisted uh, for, as a great band among a lot of good bands. Yeah, I, th- yeah, I mean, I like the kind of the early stuff. I mean, it's a little bit more like does, heady. Does anyone, does anyone not like Eye for an Eye? Jesus Christ. I mean, now that it's back on streaming. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. But you like some I of the mean, earlier stuff. I love it. I love it. But it's definitely more like brute, hardcore kind of stuff. And I think this is where they kind of they slowly get artsier as they go along. Yeah. For for yeah. for better or worse, as, as people consider it. But like, I actually, and I love this era. And I want to shout out, there's a lot of people who love this era of Blacklisted. Uh, I'll shout out Sean Riley and my buddy Kevin Hare as people who are like, yo, this era, which is like 2006, 2007 Blacklisted, where they're still playing a lot of the early material live, but then mixing these songs in. And I'm like, so good. It's so good. So um, I think, so that was the top 25 death wish and bridge nine records as per Taylor fun activity. If we were to do this ourselves, I think we'd have a different list. Maybe, maybe we'll do this sometime. Maybe we'll do our top 10, maybe. Um, and that yeah, might be a fun be activity. Hard, to do. But I think he covered, I mean, I don't, I can't see, think of anything off the top of my head that would like, <sighs> let me think about really, this. Um, yeah. He got no warning. He got that stuff. Nothing that really like, kind of jumps out. Yeah, he's got a pretty comprehensive list, I, and it's more just order. I think he, yeah, and he's got the he's got both bitter end yeah, guilty's charged. Um, he's missing one bitter end LP that is really good, but you know he's got two LPs on here, so I'm I'm, I'm not mad at his uh, his bitter end respect. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, yo, Tom, thank you. Um, let's uh, let's call it. All right. Thanks, everybody. Be safe out there.